Hello, everybody. Welcome to a very special edition of The Meyer. As we're joined by the still current, still current for another couple of weeks, principal of Montgomery High School, Mr. Paul Papaduke. Pops, how you doing, buddy? Good, good. I'll say that with a little reservation. <laughs> <laughs> kind of floating on uncharted waters now as I'm uh, finishing out. That's a pretty good metaphor for some of the stuff I want to ask you there about uh, change and, and all that other good stuff. But um, I just think on a personal level, I'm so happy and thankful that you're going to sit down and do this with us because I, I just think your legacy here is is going to live on for <laughs> probably as long as this building uh, uh, is going to exist. So you, that said, you've been here for so many years now, it's, you know, over two decades. As you think back on that career, what's, ch what's changed when you think about change? Because so many things have changed, right? I mean, uh, a lot, you know, from starting you know, in the 90s with classes of uh, 100 kids and, you know, demographics have changed, size has changed. Uh, we were in that rural slash suburban when I started and now we've gotten a little less rural. We were, gr um, were group one? Were we group one back we then? Were, we were group one for, yeah, we were group one through the class of 99. Class of 2000, we turned group two, and then the class of 03, we turned to group three, and the class of four, we were group four. It was bing, bing, bing. Yeah, it's just crazy. Explosion. So, and so in your coaching years, too, did you coach? You coached through all of those groups, all correct? Yep. That's right got to be a bananas kind of situation. Just, just nuts from the long rides to when we were group one playing Belvedere and North Warren. And, you know, all of our rides were just horrendous. You know, we'd play Somerville, it was just awesome, whether we won or lost, but, you know, just going for a 35-minute ride as opposed to an hour to an hour and 25-minute ride. Um, yeah. Just just crazy. Coming back hoops-wise was, you know, on a weeknight, pulling into McDonald's because the girls haven't eaten at quarter to 10, knowing you got another 45 coming back is nuts. Yeah, that, but then you had a the, the trade-off. There was playing some some a little, little more difficult co uh, competition, though. But I mean, clearly you bit. didn't have any problems with that. Recite your resume, girls basketball-wise, for everyone. Um, girls hoops. I started out as an assistant in Somerville, and I came over here and uh, helped helped for a year and took over the prop took over the program uh, right up and through. The class of 2006, we were, um, when I first got here, we were awful. It's not very good to really describe it. We were bad. Um, <laughs> in fact, uh, you know, my athletic director, Bernie Dembski at the time, came into the office and I was, you know, I had coached Bridgewater boys before that and Somerville girls, and I was actually working with both of them, probably going to go back to Bridgewater boys. And I had actually started the first few days of practice with them. And um, Bernie came in and he said, you know, you're a basketball guy and we need some help. I said, the, the head coaching job's open of JV? No, just volunteer. He goes, you're going to volunteer. I said, Bernie, I'm getting paid to coach at Bridgewater, like really good, blah, blah, blah. And he said, no, you're going to coach here. I said, I don't think so. I said, we beat, at summer ago last year, we beat your varsity team like 60-something of 14. I said, uh, this is not really where I want to be. He goes, well, then go get your paycheck somewhere else. And he slams the door and leaves the office. 
And I was like, he might really fire me. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I started next day. I went down to practice, and uh, Charlie Webb at the time just helped, uh, just kind of open the door, and he was a soccer guy, coaching basketball, and he said, do whatever you want. I go, well, when do we practice? He goes, about an hour, hour 15 here. I was like, weekends? No, nah, we don't do weekends, no Saturdays, no whatever. It's like, uh, can I change that? He goes, yeah, go ahead. I'm good about I won't be here, but that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> you want to have practice on a Saturday? So we slowly built a different type of culture. And, uh, you know, I think we were 5-13 and 13 the first year, and then we went from 5-13 and 13 to 17-9 and nine to 18-6, and six, won Central Jersey Championship, um, which was a pretty, pretty big deal. Um, you know, we were playing schools with college players, and we had none. Uh, going to college, so it was uh, it was good. It was a good transition. Absolutely loved working with the girls here. They were just phenomenal. And as you, you know, I mean, certainly that was not the only thing you coached. You know, you started on the, the football, football staff. Program. Yeah. I mean, like you look back at that staff, and I, I joked with this with uh, Yaoetse when we talked with him earlier in the season. I was like, what, like, what a staff that was back then in terms of even now who the leaders are in this district, right? I mean, between you and Delgado and obviously, you know, Zoran still being the head coach and, right. uh, you know, Grundy right. ends up joining at a certain point. We had Frank Schmiel as well, Schmiel. who's now the principal at Princeton High School. So it was, yeah, pretty crazy. That, that's, you, I have assumed that you have to look, all right, I am jealous that I didn't get to coach on that staff. I never coached football a day in my life. I assume you have to look back on those days pretty fondly. Uh, the best of times. And, you know, girls basketball was, was special and, and basketball is kind of my sport. But starting a sport from scratch with, with Coach Millich and, and the staff and having kids, some of them who never put on pads before and growing a program and, you know, going from whatever you call the field was uh, first year, we didn't even have a home game. We right. Where homecoming was at Hackettstown, a good hour and 15 away. Um, and then we, we got that deal in between the, what is now the middle and the lower middle school there. And then finally the turf was built on Friday nights. And yeah, it's uh, some really good times, great kids and, and funny and special experiences. It's funny the things that if you could tell your younger self, so the first game here at the high school at the on the turf, Dupree Wade ran for like seven thousand yards yeah. in, in a game. Yeah. I covered that game Four for the Trenton Times. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So I came here as a reporter. You know, I was twenty or however twenty-two, however old I was, and did that. You know, wrote like the normal like, "Hey, welcome to the new high school, Dupree." Had a great game, but like I remember that kid's name yeah. from you know seven eight years before I I ever worked here, and. Uh, Wish I could have told my younger self that. Be like, just look over there on that sideline, because those are going to be all yeah. your friends and your bosses. That's awesome, awesome. I remember that game, and you know, before it, we were so nervous. New field, and uh, you know, they had us over to Cherry Valley afterwards, and the community was out. It was like really, really big. Um, and all we said is, we can't screw this up. Maybe not in those terms, but we, right. we could not lose. Um, that would just be god-awful for us. Um, and we didn't. We ended up winning that game. Didn't matter any other game that season, though we played pretty well that year. And it was one of the better teams that we've had. Um, you know, we just we had some injury 
issues um, that kept us out of the state playoff. But I, sure. I would take that team over. Coach Mills may or may not agree over many, <laughs> any others. I mean, defensively, we were so, so good. Lamar and Kondo and the boys. Yeah, that's a, some big names. Guys that played some pretty high level, you know, was 1AA, whatever it was called yeah. back then. Um, you know, obviously, you've come, you know, just by age and experience, I think, since then, have grown quite a bit. I think your age and experience is the thing that changes how you view or interact with the kids, or do you think it's more the kids leading the charge? Uh... I would say it's more the age and experience. I mean, the kids have changed over time. Uh, society has changed over time. What you could say to a kid um, back in the day. Uh, God, what I've said to my girls. Um, you know, I was not easy to play for, not at all. And, you know, they probably could have called Dyfus on me. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's DCP and P now. But it was just, um, you know, you know, fond memories none, nonetheless, but, but tough. You know, you have to deal with kids differently now. I think uh, just by the nature of evolution in society and so society in a uh, socioeconomically affluent district, um, kids are a little less resilient, less having to push through and fight through um, adversity. A lot of, you know, people want to, there was you know, helicopter parents, snowplow parents, whatever you want to call it. Just a lot, just as a parent, you try to remove as many obstacles as possible. And the athletic field doesn't necessarily lend itself to that. I think it was, you know, Parcells who said the only thing that athletes really respond to is stress. And that's why I make my practices highly stressful so they can react to it then and the game stress won't, won't bother them. And uh, we tried to do that with our, our boys and our and our girls here. But now, you know, it's to be a little more difficult in the understanding them. And you know, just technology has played a major role, not just in coaching and scouting and whatever, but it plays a role in the lives of kids who now are here and a lot less interaction socially, face to face, and with other people who they don't choose to interact with. They're forced to. And athletics, and so it's it's just different. The, I mean, right? It's that balance of like, we want to challenge the kids because that, a lot of the time they'll perform to the level that they're challenged, right? So I mean, we're trying to constantly stress that, but then balancing it with, you know, probably the new. I don't even know what gen we're on, gen something, mm -hmm. that, you know. And you know, probably for the better though. You know, you know, on so many levels, like, you know, you got the extreme idiotic, yep. you don't get water, right. you know, because <laughs> water's for weak people, right. you know, old school mentalities versus a lot of our new stuff. And I, I mean, maybe that just heightens the fact that the elite coaches are rising, right? Because we're finding out ways and how to motivate those kids through yeah. the years. I mean, your, your ability to read kids and the people that have been around you who've taken their cues from you, their ability to read kids and motivate kids, where, where does that come from? Experience. Um, you know, I was privileged to coach with some good coaches. Uh, prior to coming here, I coached, I was coached by, you know, a, a Hall of Fame type of coach in, in Vaughn Stapleton. And, um, you know, a lot of what he did um, really can translate to 
the modern day athlete. He was probably one of the most caring and, and loving people and genuinely looked at every athlete he had the same. And he had a number, went on to play Division One, played in the pros. Um, you know, but the, he never let number 11, 12, or 13 feel that they were any less. And he was um, extremely positive. Don't get me wrong, he can light you up as well. Sure. But, you know, he was extremely positive and really um, got to know his kids and was involved in the lives of his kids. And I think that transfers on and that, you know, being able to read the social and emotional side of, of a kid is, is huge in order to get them to max out on the field. You're, you're a wonderful guy. That's what this interview is all about. You're not perfect. You clearly, through the years, you have not won every game you've played. Every decision you haven't made as a principal has turned out the way you wanted it to. How would you say, generally, if you had to give pieces of advice about how you dealt and managed situations where you didn't do the, the right thing or it didn't come out the way you wanted it to, how do you... Nobody's it? perfect. I screw up every day. You know, ask my wife. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, number one, own it. Everybody screws up. Um, made little mistakes. I've made huge mistakes. Um, if you own your mistake and if you reflect on it and if you're genuine, things get better. Uh, one, you don't want to repeat it, but you have to understand why it happened so you don't do it again. You have to understand the impact it had on others and then you need to go fix that. Um, and just by a lot of times just saying, I screwed up is a good way to begin really sorry, let's talk about this and that. You, you just get places being personable and honest. And I think when you're, when you're honest and you don't, I'm not usually a, a, a BSer. I think I'm pretty straightforward in, in most things and sometimes I don't sugarcoat things. Most times I don't sugarcoat things. And I think when you don't sugarcoat things and uh, you also have the ability to say, hey, this is really on me. Um, you get people, you build those relationships, and you can work through anything. It's a pretty good segue to where I want to go next about what you said about taking responsibility. There's a joke, and, and this is not the question, but I'll, I'll say the joke, is that when you look at presidents when they get elected in the picture before and then the picture after, um, they don't look the same because of the stress you know, that gets put on them over four or eight years. Look at Paul Papaduke, pre-principal. Paul Papaduke now. You know, there's, we could we could goof on you. We could do whatever we want and say that some of the the stereotypical signs of of wear and tear have shown up maybe a little more quickly than they might otherwise have. The where I, where I want to get with this is is that you are famous, and whether people know this or not, and hopefully this is something that they learn about you, is that you're famous for going to battle for your people, your staff for things you believe in, where, where, did you, where does that come from? Because, I mean, for everybody out there not realizing this, like this guy will go, will take you to the mat if he believes it'll be better for the kids in this building. Where do you get that drive? Uh, I think my dad. Um, he was 
firm. Uh, he was valued, he had principles, and he was stubborn. Um, and I think I carry some of those traits. Um, but I think there's just an innateness that I got you know, genetically from him, um, but also that, that family side of things from from my high school coach, Vaughn Stapleton. Um, that you just, you know, it's, it's mama and papa bear mode for me. You know, I will do anything to protect my family. One of my uh, most distinct qualities, I believe, is loyalty. Um, and I'm extremely loyal, um, I'm an extremely loyal person. And, you know, it's my job to, um, to do what is best for my staff and for these kids. And when it comes to it, you know, I could, I could take a pretty good beating trying to get there. And, and you do it at the expense of stand, standing in front of the blows for other people. That's something else that maybe people don't really know, but I'll say for you. Any of those battles you, you regret taking on? No. I think every battle that I've taken on has made me better, even ones that maybe I couldn't have taken on or maybe shouldn't have taken on. Um, you learn from your experiences, and as you move forward, I really don't think you know, mistakes make you better. Um, it's a growing process, and I think in all of those battles, I've helped someone and sometimes the cost is is a little bit greater um, but that was never an issue for me I try to make my deposits and then make the withdrawals when I need it and um, you know when you get into a leadership position you have to do those things to protect all of your people um, and if it comes at a cost to you and some other things then you have to do it and you have to try to build that back up before. So I would say no. Um, I mean, I, I take a look at my pictures in the hallway. You know, there was not a gray hair in my head before right. when I was principal. And then you know, those scholar-athlete pictures, and it's one year after the next, and it's like Obama. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's actually hysterical. I cleaned, was cleaning out my desk today and some other things, and um, I'm looking at pictures when I first became principal because they were still tucked in behind me with my kids and whatever. None. No grays looking like, who is that guy? But, you know, I'm still that guy to me. Right. It's only when I see pictures of me now and say, who's that? That's me. Who's that old guy? You know what I mean? It's, oh, it's trust funny. me. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, the, I mean, relative, I think, to what you're talking about, about how you even decide to take on some of those battles. Like, I think about the last, you know, maybe not the last two and a half years or whatever since right before the pandemic, but you know, previous to that, I would describe the, and I apologize if I'm saying, you know, talking out of school on, on this, I feel like there was, there was chaos, you know, at relative points, relative to... tumultuous, Yeah, yes. it was a, tum a tumultuous <laughs> between the two previous superintendents, before Mrs. McLaughlin, and, um, you know, some Board of Ed personalities, which, you know, obviously we saw how that all turned out, contentious Board of Education meetings, yeah. um, you know, if, uh, Governor Christie and... You know his attack on education. How did? How in the world did you even assess, or what did you use to assess where you jumped jumped in throughout that whole time, and what battles you you wanted to fight? And, and I guess maybe even 
because you said you're ready to fight them, how hard are you going to fight them and which places you give and take? What's going to negatively affect kids? What's going to negatively affect staff? And you go from there. But for, it is time, I can't tell you the amount of time that I spent. You know, I would say at least, and there's a lot to do as principal. You're responsible for everything. You have a lot of people doing things, but as soon as that person screws up, it's your fault. So there's just a lot that you have to, to keep appraised of. But, you know, it's about, it's at least 30% of my time was what I would call uh, political battle mode. And that means just either justifying or protecting or thinking ahead, just trying to protect all the good that we have here. Um, and we have so much good. You know, it's very easy to, to criticize and you go through and everything's not exactly how you want it and this is not perfect and that. And if I were this and if I were that, well, you know, take yourself out of here and go to another district. You'll cry at how good things are here. Yeah. You know, if you're a parent, if you're a teacher, if you're, if you're a student, we have it really, really good in a lot of ways that you'll never know because you weren't anywhere else. Well, perspective, right? I mean, yeah. like that's that's the thing. We you at least get to go out and talk to other principals and see you know these yeah. other things about what's going on there. So, I mean, I think that is good. And I guess I'll thank you on behalf, on behalf of all of us who, who you've taken a bullet for. Yeah. So it's not really about what you know. Some battles you just can't win, um, but some battles you have to fight even though you know you're going to lose because at the end of the day. Um, you know, I'm standing in front of 141 staff members, and I truly feel that it's, it's my family. Um, and you have to do what you have to do to, to protect the good and to make their lives easier. If you watch The Mire at all, you know that we talk in movie quotes a lot because we're idiots and it's what we do. You just said something that reminded me. Have you ever seen The American President? In the mid '90s, yes, it reminded me of a of a scene at the end. Martin Sheen and Michael Douglas, and he's Martin Sheen's criticizing him, and he says, referencing a line from earlier in the movie, he said, "You fight the fights you can win." He said, "You fight the fights that need fighting." Yeah. So you're not exactly. always going to win them. He said, "Would we have won our election four years ago?" I don't know, but I would have enjoyed the thing. Right. So I mean, I guess that kind of encapsulates it. Absolutely. You, your position now comes, and it's, I, I think it's pretty interesting because you have remained here. And a lot of the times we search for leadership from places on the outside, and that's a common enough thing because you want you know, fresh ideas and, and this and that. And, and you spent the majority of your career here and you've worked your way up that ladder. So a lot of people that you know, were on the same pay scale, so to speak, right. to describe it in teacher terms, you're now the boss of. How, how's that been? Interesting. Um, you know, first of all, I think the transitions and the things we've accomplished since I've been here and some of the things we did, we would not have been able to do if I was an outside person. Um, I mean, from right off the bat, we changed our schedule. We went to block schedule within the first half a year that I was here. We what a move, by the way. What a move. To, uh, before and, for oh my God. Incredible. But we've, we've done a lot of things and changes and brought, you know, CLTs in and we, we tried to give teachers a professional time that they need to get both. So a lot of things that we've done would just not have happened because there would have been that suspicion. And I had the trust of certain key people 
and relationships with people that they truly knew that what I was doing was for them and for the kids and not for me to make a name that I brought something in. I try to remain behind the scenes with most everything that gets done. People, you know, other people deserve credit. I don't need any. Um, some teachers, just on a daily basis, um, it was hard when I first started. You know, I went to the dark side. Sure. Um, I had teach numerous teachers who were um, far better at their craft than I was. We had some phenomenal teachers here um, that I could, I just would never be as good at in the classroom as they were. And now I'm their boss. And now I'm going in to observe them. Um, but I think it was all through conversation that it went away. It, it was about us coming together to get to the best thing rather than and us, them, or you know, how I feel, or dictating orders. It was more trying to get them to reflect, and um, it kind of worked out. Um, you know, people, you know, who my friendships haven't changed. Um, my closest friends in the building, things, things didn't change. I felt probably felt bad for them more so than the rest of the staff. It's like my kids now. My kids will tell you they played for me. And I think I was by far the toughest coach going K through eight. I got into high school. I don't think they had a coach who was as tough as I was in certain ways. Um, you're just naturally harder on your own. I was harder on um, my own. I also knew the things that they did that maybe they shouldn't be doing or that they were getting over on and that had to stop to an extent as well. So it's was, it was probably more difficult for them, um, but we just remain close. Yeah. Um, some of my best friends are, are here. When you're not the boss in education, as I'm not, thankfully, and I don't have any desire to be, there's a common criticism that's, that gets lobbed at the bosses. And they say, well, he forgot what it was like to be in the classroom. Right? I don't know that there is a human in this building who would say that about you? It's one of the, I actually think the things that people would say the opposite about you, and it's one of the things that has made you so likable and successful as a boss for as many years as we've had you, is that you've never, it feels like you've never forgotten what it's like to be in the classroom. How have you been able to keep that perspective over all these years? Listen, we meet regularly with different groups. We have a school leadership team now, but before that we had different advisories, and you try to get around, but you have to listen to people. Um, high school is vast and there are so many experts in minute little areas that, and for some of them I knew nothing about. Um, I can't come in and tell them what to do. I can listen to their problems, I can try to get a bigger picture, try to come back and try to help them. But I think just always listening and try to provide them with what they need to do their job and, and just be of service would be uh, I guess the best way to de describe it. So we're recording this December 1, 2021. Winter break is going to come and go, and then you're going to be to the NJSIA. Six months past that, another very positive male role model in this school, Mike Gervin, retiring after a long, successful career. Your relationship with Gerv goes back forever to the days of the football and, you know, 
beyond. Talk about, is there some poetic justice to the fact that you're both exiting Montgomery in the same year? It's hard. Uh, Gert's my best friend in the building. Uh, we were friends for, for a long time. You know, wives are friends, we vacation together. Um, so we're really, really close. Gert is the best, by the way. He's just the, the best. You know, there, there are very few people who impact a large number of kids in deep ways uh, that he has. Um, so walking out with him um, in the same year is, is difficult. I didn't see it coming. I never thought I would be first um, or even in the same year. But things just kind of happened and here I am. But you know, us going out the same year is going to be hard. Um, I don't know, it's just like a, it's a, it's a milestone. Um, and, you know, just not seeing him on a regular basis, period, is going to be tough. Um, but, you know, if you step outside yourself, it's going to be different for a lot of people when neither of us are around. So I was kicking this around with Grundy. Um, it had to be about a month and a half ago now. You leave, Gerv leaves. The, the, we lose one of you at a certain point, and then you, know, then you lose the other one at another point. Okay, and it's not like the school's gonna go to hell in, in five minutes, but when you lose, in my opinion, two of the most effectual male role models, male leaders in the building at one time, seemingly, is like, we wanna talk about like fears. I'm not like up at night, as I'm dropping microphones, that's how nervous I am about it, that I, I'm not like afraid of it, but you talk about the totality of losing two of those guys at the same time, it's going to switch roles for people. Like, and then I said that to Grunny. I was like, well, now clearly we have to be different than what we were before they left, but then you can't try to be Gerv or Pops because if you try to be either one of them, you're screwed because that's not going to be any good for anybody. It's like, how do, how do you see it all kind of unfolding after you're out of here? Is this even something you think about? Natural progression. If Gerv and I have done our job, um, there are other people who are going to step up and um, not become Gerv or Pops, but become those people who others can go to um, who can make major impact you know it was when I was first starting out Gerv and I were were the young buds and I ate lunch in his office each day and you know we had the likes of Doug Ruhlman who had a great effect on people we had Chuck Schaub who's a, a legendary coach and, and math teacher here and you know they left and we stepped up um, as we leave, some of the other, when you talk about male role models, some of the other males in the building have got to step up and say, you know, these types of things need to happen. And they become a little less shy, a little less silent, and they, they assume those roles. I have no doubt that the show will, will go on. Things will be different for a little bit. Um, but there's so many other good people in this building, and they just need to... You know, share their voices. There is no doubt about the fact that 
being in the job that you currently have at times is all consuming. And it's not just Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. It's well beyond that into the, into the nights and the weekends. Um, the new job at the NJSIA that we can talk about in a second briefly the, is going to allow that to be a little more stable Monday to Friday, you know, kind of deal, which I imagine is great. And something that I know I've talked to you about before, not on camera, that I want you to talk about is uh, something I think is pretty special. You're, I don't think it's a shot. We have Penn State uh, Nittany Lion on the table. You're an alum, both your boys now at Penn State. Just the prospect of being able to spend the next two, three years with both of them and, and making you know, your way out to Happy Valley a little more and, and all that kind of stuff. As a dad, humanly, that's got to be pretty stinking cool. I'm pretty anal in a lot that I do, and when I made this decision, you know, I had my list of pros and cons and differences and money and this, everything, but one of the major, uh, one of the major factors was stress and family uh, were, were two that kind of pushed it over, over the edge. Um, hours here are tough, crazy stuff happens all the time, um, and, and it's tough to compartmentalize. It's tough not to take it home. Um, and the hours, hours get, get crazy as well. You know, I'm moving to, you know, 8, 8.30 to 4, 8 to 4, whatever it is. No nights, no weekends. Um, having the ability to um, be that dad, uh, not just... My kid put it the best. It'll make a little more, more sense. You know, I wanted to know from my wife's perspective what was happening. And um, she really wasn't weighing in. So I was having a conversation with my kids. And he, he was so supportive of, of me. Um, and I said, of taking this job. And I said, why? And he said, because we want, um, as he put it, vacation dad. Or drunk dad. <laughs> he said, we want those people. We don't see them enough. We see them on vacation. We see them let loose. He goes, even when you're home, you're not home. You're thinking about this. You're doing that. We can be sitting in the pool for Sunday fun day with neighbors or whatever, and you don't hear a damn thing that's happening. And every year, you're on the next day. You're on whatever. And he goes, I, I really want that. And um, you know, I spend a lot of time with a lot of people, helping them with their school problems, with life problems, and et cetera. Um, and your capacity gets eaten up. By the time I'm home, I have like this much left to give. Um, you know, I find myself, my sons are in college now. They're going to have some real world problems that I'm going to need full capacity to accept, not just say, leave me alone. Um, and then just be able to share time now. Um, I always took the time to coach them and to be involved in their athletics. And um, that was quality time together. But now when that's all gone, they played high school sports. So after eighth grade, you know, I went to their games and whatever. Spending time with them these last couple years of college is going to be great. Just got season tickets. Attaboy. Uh, tailgates are phenomenal at Penn State. And it's just, uh, 
it's an environment. And just going up when we want to go up, doing what we want to do, and spending that time with them is absolutely huge. And I'm really, really looking forward, looking forward to that. That's awesome. Title of the new job is? Uh, Chief Compliance Officer. We got the chief in there. I was going to say director. You smuggled chief in there. I smuggled the chief. <laughs> That's good. Um, before I get to my last two questions, you, you're uh, about to transition out. I mean, somebody else has to transition in. Day before Thanksgiving, we found out uh, Heather Pino going to be the new principal. Your thoughts? Great choice. Great choice. I've been working with Heather for a number of years. You know, I've been doing my best to um, get her prepared for this next stage. Um, I don't want to use the term groom her. I would just professionally develop and really just dump everything. And we, we have, and we've had since very early on, we spend a lot of time talking about not just the what, but the why. She is really interested in understanding why I did this, why I made that decision, and a lot of times would irritate one party or another, or her, um, you know. But she has a good, a good grasp of uh, the bigger picture, and she understands what is good about Montgomery and what can't change, and then the other things to put her stamp on it and make this place hers has been mine for a long time, um, she can do that. But she'll never lose the, the core of what's good. She is super smart. Um, uh, she knows a lot about a lot of things. She's got an English background, a guidance background, uh, VP, athletic, athletic as well. You know, she, she's going to be very, very good. Um, and I'm ecstatic um, that you know, I think a lot of what was done and built is going to continue to get better. Yeah, I, I think we feel the same way too as a staff. I think I speak for, for most everybody when I say that. So now let's, I'll wrap up because you've given us so much of your time. And maybe the, the bad part of this will be the ones that come easier to your head, but I want you to give some sincere thought to both. What are the things that come to your brain first that you're most proud of as you leave here? Relationships that I've built with, I'll just say, people. Um, I am absolutely, you know, I, from players who, got, you know, at least you know, players who don't miss my birthday, I've got one going back since 1997. I still get a birthday message from her. Um, she's grown, has her kids, and et cetera. So those, those type of relationships that you have and, and seeing people and um, who are now married and having their own kids and successful um, seeing staff grow and to be great teachers and, and great people as well um, those are the types of things and, and that I think building a, a family atmosphere we are always small here um, I was group one when I started but to keep a big school Feeling family-like, um, I think, is is a, is a really tremendous accomplishment. And from the structures that we put in place, our schedule, our our collaborative structures that really have a, you know, I could step out, and as long as things are are running, it's gonna it's not gonna be run from the top down. 
and I think now the staff is strong enough that you know the, the top-down leadership style that can really screw things up if you don't know what you're doing um, is a thing in the past and the, the staff has those venues and as long as we keep operating this way you'll always get to that that right decision that's best for kids any uh, I, I hate to end on a, on a negative note Are you have any big regrets I mean, I, I, I almost say, like, feel like you probably don't because I, I, I know you well enough to know that you don't really operate that way so much. Yeah, I don't have a, I don't have a regret. Um, I just wish, and you know, you just can't have it all. But I wish I knew what I know now. Uh, when I was an earlier coach, we started out with talking about coaching, et cetera. Um, Technically, and in a lot of ways, I was a really good coach. Um, but I'm much better now, and I think I'm much better having had children and, and grow up and et cetera, and, and seeing a lot. You know, I, there's a couple things I wouldn't mind changing um, that probably would have led to a little more success in, in those areas. Um, well, listen, I can tell you, you've had enough, enough stick of success in other areas, I'm sure, to make up for whatever it is you have going on inside your brain there in those regrets. So uh, on behalf of however many of us are in this building as a staff, 100 plus, the, the people who have come through here as students, the staff who have worked here and retired, the most heartfelt of thanks for your entirety of your career here and certainly for the, for the time you've spent as principal, I... Uh, I have to tell you that I've described you to other people because they ask why I like working at Montgomery so much. And I said, well, uh, I have the best boss on planet Earth, and I hope that his last day is my last day. So you've kind of screwed me up a little bit yeah, now. That's a good job. Appreciate it. But no, honestly, from the bottom of my heart, love you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Love you too. Love the guys and girls that have been a part of this journey. And, uh, you know, I'm going to miss it. You know, it's not a regret because I don't know what my next 10 years are going to be like. Um, but it was not easy to, to give this up. At least it's, it's terribly difficult to give up the good parts of my job. Um, and I'll miss you guys too. This has been a very special presentation of the Meyer uh, as we say goodbye to Montgomery legend, the principal, Paul Papaduke.